You have reached the Revolution Fight and Fitness Podcast, Episode 4. Today we talk with Sean Doherty and George Comer. Uh, Sean came up and did a leg lock seminar at Revolution Fight and Fitness, which was very good. Um, you know, anyone from me who knows nothing to some of the high-level people that were there, I think everybody got every bit that they could out of this seminar. He had Emil Fisher with him as an assistant, which, you know, Emil is well-known in the jiu-jitsu community. Uh, he had Katie with him, and she was all over the place making sure everybody understood, and she was there to help. And, you know, we're, we're very appreciative to all three of them for coming up and, and taking their time to, to do this seminar with us. Uh, during the podcast, we talk a little bit about, you know, Sean's career, uh, where he came from. And also a little bit about PTSD and how sometimes, you know, things like catch wrestling can help with those, those situations and, uh, you know, helping veterans with PTSD is near and dear to my heart. So it, it was, it was a great conversation when it comes to that. Uh, even my standup guys, if you're a standup guy, you're going to enjoy this podcast too. There's, there's a segment that we discuss, you know, being able to control yourself in a in a stressful situation and how to handle that and you know from white belts to amateur boxers to amateur muay thai fighters to amateur mma guys there are mental sciences uh behind some of the stuff that we talk about tonight and sean did just a great job uh explaining those things to us and i appreciate him being there with us today so here we go lfg And you got Revolution Fight and Fitness Podcast back again for episode four. Uh, today we had a leg lock seminar at Revolution Fight and Fitness with the UFC veteran, the legend of leg locks, Sean Doherty. Sean, how you doing? Good, man. How about you? Doing good. Yeah, we uh, even me, the stand-up guy, was in that seminar, and it was good stuff. I mean, it was easy. It was well, well, um, well, well taught. I was really impressed. Thanks. I, when I first started martial arts, my, my first instructor always had me teach the five-year-olds. So when I was about 15 years old, I was teaching little kids. So that always helped me. Like, if you can teach a, an ADHD five-year-old, you can, you can teach an adult. You know, I'm with you. I feel like uh, part of my experience coaching is I started off doing, like, all the intro courses and all the new people. So teaching people that had no clue or have never done martial arts before or any kind of grappling or striking, teaching them, you kind of learn all the nuances and niches and questions that they might have. So uh, my question for you starting off would be, uh, what brought you to our curriculum today, that, uh, that series in particular with the... Uh, uh, the Apache leg pin kind mm -hmm. of thing? <clears throat> Um, I, everything I do is kind of like through osmosis. I, I kind of I consider myself an autodidact, a uh, self learner. You know what I mean? You know, I, there's no such thing as a self learner because somebody laid something behind them. You know, gotcha, somebody, right, you know yeah. what I mean? They, but you take the pieces, you put them yeah, together. Yeah, you know? I don't yeah. have somebody officially taking me. Uh, you know, and showing me things. You know, I did when I was younger in my career, but because I had good coaches and I, they taught me how to learn. They, they set me, they set me up for success to, they, they didn't want me to be just like them. They wanted me to be myself and to create 
my own things. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. I think so, especially in MMA, I can't, that's so important. I don't, I don't like to tell people no. Just because something doesn't work for me or just because you have these ideas and I don't think they work, I don't like to say no unless I can really prove them to be, you know, insufficient. Otherwise, you know, if it's got relevance, if it helps you, you know, in your body type, your style, you know, roll with it. Right, right. But you got, the, the, that student needs to be honest with themselves and, you know, lose the, you know, the, the idea that if they're wrong, it really isn't that great, you know, that they can move, you know, they'll prove it to themselves. Like, oh, it just won't work. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, sh you know, this, okay, it doesn't work. But they have to be honest enough with themselves to say, yeah, this, this, this is bullshit. You're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when the, the way I train people is to not be like me, but to actually become creators, you know what I mean? You know, sure. I, I want to create gods, not not drones right you know, all right I want people yeah to create their own thing so as you saw today I taught more concepts and principles and more body mechanics of things instead of an individual technique or anything like that and the osmosis of it all uh, was just simply the evolution of the, the the leg game people are starting to learn how to elevate their hips and rotate out even the best braking mechanics won't stop them if they know how to spin at the right time. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how to stop the spin. And the Apache leg pin immobilizes the hips, keeps them from raising up, isolates the leg, keeps it, takes all the slack out of it, preparing it and getting it for the steps ready for the submission. Now, uh, besides some of the uh, more reputable, um, noticeable ones, was there any? Uh, who were your early coaches that had um, influence on you? Uh, Ken Shamrock. Right, all right, that's what I was going to go for. John Saylor. All right. And yeah, then Jason Gotts. How old were you back then? I was uh, looking at those pictures. Back, I was like, back, man, you, uh, you... Okay, so when I fought in the UFC, uh, I was 18 years old. Holy shit, I didn't know you were that young. You, I mean, the, you were the youngest in the UFC at that time. I was the youngest, yeah. Dan yeah. Lousen, I think is Dan Lozen. Yeah, Lozen. He, he's, yeah he, he has me beat by like 10 months. Yeah. He's like 10 months. And that was so UFC 2. Correct. For me, yeah. For your debut, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm the first Ohioan to ever fight in the UFC. Oh, awesome. nice. Awesome. That's cool. I don't, you know what? I probably watched you, too, and I just think it never clicked up, clicked to me. You know, yeah. I remember resting that DVD. As far as I know, I'm the first Ohioan, you know, as far as, like, MMA is concerned. Awesome. Now, what's it like uh, training with Ken Shamrock? Um, it was intense. You know, I was coming from a Taekwondo kickboxing background. Okay. And, uh, obviously, in the UFC, I lost in, like, 20 seconds to a ninja. <laughs> Who had more grappling knowledge than I did. I mean, this guy knew how to do a sacrifice throw and a head and arm choke. And that, that was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I punched him and elbowed him and uh, threw leg kicks and everything. And when, my, when I threw my elbow, I hit him and went through and kind of bent over. And he wrapped up my head and arm and rolled over and sacrificed. And it was over. And I just remember, okay, I have to... Stars were starting to go out, and I was grabbing his love handles, trying to hit pressure points that I right. learned, you know, yeah. as a kid, you know, the Dillman and shit. <laughs> yeah, that was, that that was, was all my, legal back then. That, that was my taste of Bullshito, though. You know, I, that was how I realized, you know, grabbing pressure points and love handles, it doesn't get you out of a full mount head and arm choke. It just doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and, you know, the lights started closing in, and, you know, I was starting to go out, and I remember they told me, because this was new to me as a culture, was to tap. So I remembered I had to tap three times, and that was how I 
was going to retain consciousness. Yeah. But you I, were you were a you you came from stand up though, right? Yes, you were a, pure were you a world world champion kickboxer? Oh, fuck, no. no, I was just an amateur. I was oh, an okay. amateur. amateur. Okay, I was an amateur okay. teenager. Second best on this block. See, yes. Wiki, yes. Wikipedia is a horrible, horrible place. Fuck you know, you, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you, so how did you how did you get into wanting to do something like at the level that you're at now with your ground game? Um, well. It's the UFC. I mean, I saw that. Okay, I, I said because I was watching the first UFC, and I'm like, I'm, I told her, I told my friend, I'm gonna be in the next one, and uh, I, and uh, I was like, you know, throughout I'm watching, oh, what's this? What is this? All I have to do is sidestep and kick or knee, and they try to take me down. I'll just knee, I'll, I'll, I'll do all these things. <laughs> Something yeah. like me. Yeah, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't fucking work. Okay, I got bum rushed. This guy just straight up ran across the ring, smothered my techniques, wrapped me up, took me to the ground, choked me out. Okay, I don't know. I, I need to learn this. So Ken uh, approached me throughout. Like I, they flew us out a week before, and I stayed a week in Colorado, Denver, in the hotel. All of us five were at, and uh, you know we would all see each other training. There was like, two gyms that you can go train at. You know, get your daily workouts in. And Ken was at the one. He was training. He was helping Jason Delucia prepare, and uh, um, he was asking Jason. You know, he offered Jason Delucia to come out and train and live with him remember the lines then fighting pancreas and uh he offered me the same thing he saw me training he saw i had potential um so i went from ufc losing in the ufc to going to the lines then beginning my journey in catch wrestling oh cool so my my next question for you are you um how much has grappling, submission grappling, catch wrestling, jiu-jitsu, how much has that evolved in the last 20, 30 years? I think even in the last 5, 10 years, I think it's crazy. But what's your take on that? best way I can quickly put this in a nutshell would be I would no longer call it Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I would call it American jiu-jitsu. Mm, that's fair, right? How much has changed since they brought it over? Yeah, Americans are innovators. You know, lots of other countries, you know, th there's benefits to being a culture that is really heavy based in, in, in tradition. You know, like the Japanese, you know, it, you know, the original information gets preserved, yes, but it doesn't leave room for innovation. Even with leg locks, you know, it was a, you, were, you were a foul, decrepit little schmuck down in Brazil if you did leg locks. In, in you know in the jiu-jitsu community yeah well you were in a dirty thief yeah right Sapatero. yeah <laughs> yeah which is josh leduc's brand you know he's got the Sapatero. you know he's 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 completely against <laughs> all that stuff and I, and I like his vision you know and i like the grappling industry's vision of you know basically fuck the ibjjf you know it's it's like that's not the only thing but what's right. happening there's a couple things that's happening an evolution occurring, so right? the evolution is there's a couple ways you have the evolution of where you have freedom to think and no boundaries to go anywhere you want Okay, then you have the evolution that takes place from actual boundaries that are imposed upon you by sanctionings. Kind of like the IBJJF rule system is now shaping a lot of the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in America, especially. Their people are neglecting certain parts of the right, body because they're training to be good at that particular competition. That particular so they don't thing. have to worry about it. They're not. They're not getting the whole picture of what is grappling. Yeah, and history is now repeating itself, and their BJJ is doing exactly what judo did. The art started becoming shaped by the sport. The sport was no longer shaped by the art. Right. So I know I, judo did a huge evolution, right? I mean, it, they said they, it was they, too much like wrestling, and they wanted to make it different. Yeah, they that. took away the ability to even to do a double leg takedown. Right. You know, so it's a, it's a, it's a 
it's a sad thing when you see you know uh, 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 an art get watered down through sport and competitive stuff now the solution is to have competitions that are truly open where you can do all the submissions all the techniques all the things you know catch a true that's to me is what catches catch can't is that's what I was going to be uh, my next question was is that what draw draw you or sorry drew you to uh, catch wrestling and being an instructor there I just didn't know anybody I mean that's just what it was you know I, uh, I I went and lived with Ken Shamrock and that's what he did and I was team Shamrock catch wrestler anti BJJ all right. For a long time, so a lot of the BJJ I learned was through anti BJJ. Yeah, yeah, beating, yeah. beating it. You yeah. know what I mean? I learned, I learned it through beating the BJJ guys, right? Yeah. Well, you eventually got your black belt in BJJ. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Prior to that, okay, I was like, there's a Taekwondo black belt. Yeah, and then I got my my Shingi Tai Jiu Jitsu black belt under John Saylor. I'm now fourth degree under him. With that, I'm also a second degree uh, Judo black belt, and the the pure resistance is the BJJ black belt now. Yes. You know, and I, I went through uh, 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 a vetting process through Carlos Catania, going through, you know, watch, check, checking my technique and everything. And maybe he's like, you should have been at black belt 10 years ago. You know, this is two years ago, you know. <laughs> and, and no, I didn't register with the IBJJF. <laughs> you know, I'm sticking true to form. Gotcha, you're right. Nice. You know, Rebel. <laughs> you know, I really don't care. You know, I mean, and I don't ever plan on having a school and having any of my students compete in IBJJF. Hmm. Why would I support something that goes against my very philosophy? Right. right. Um, I'm an anarchist, by the way. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not libertarian. I'm not Republican. I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a true anarchist. Yeah. Blazing and, your own path, man. Yeah, but Rebel. people don't. I mean, it's not anarchist. Is not anarchy. You know what I mean? It's not chaos or anything. Right, people right. don't realize what that is. It's the highest form of self-governance yeah. and living in a society where everyone is there according to their own will and accord and living peacefully among each other. That's anarchy. I like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so what part of your journey made you cross paths with uh, Coach Jill Bain? Oh, Air Force. Really? That yeah. far back? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So when I was in Okinawa... Uh, I opened up a school and I had my first student that I that I trained straight through. He was already a solid, like a judo brown belt, and uh, he was probably about like uh, blue belt or purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu at the time. A guy named Martin Suarez. Um, I he was my first like understudy and like coaching understudy, like teaching someone how to be a coach. Um, he did really well, and he's the first person I promoted black belt through Shingi Tai Jiu-Jitsu which is under John Saylor. Shingitai Jiu-Jitsu is basically, John Saylor tried to recreate the original Jiu-Jitsu. It's basically a traditional form of MMA. Okay. So Dutch kickboxing. I was going to say, is there strikes in there then? Dutch kickboxing style strikes, judo throws, sambo throws, greco throws. So this guy's pretty intense then. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, what was I just saying? Remember, this is my, my loophole. Yeah, right, loophole. how you met Joel Bain. Okay. So I had this student, and, and I, I spent a lot of time with him and prepared him and sent him off. And I got to Okinawa, um, or I left Okinawa and got to uh, McGuire Air Force Base. My first year there was me going through the pararescue selection pipeline two times, both times resulting. I had to get surgeries and things like that, which eventually ended my, med my military career through a medical retirement. But after that first year, I started getting my shoulder surgeries back to back. I had four surgeries in a row, my shoulders and my wrist. And my wrist was thrown in there as well. Um, 
I hear about this guy on base who's an MMA guy, guy who does BJJ, some giant guy. He's a cop in the Air Force, you know, kind of thing. Everybody was kind of telling me about him. And people were telling him about me. Okay, so I'm so thinking. So you guys going to score out there? So the I'm thinking about this guy. I'm like, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. You know, everybody says there's somebody, yeah. you know. And he's actually saying the same fucking thing, too. He's, like, he's going, he's going, who the, who the, who the, who the, who the See, I can see this in a movie. You guys are going to bump into each other on your lunch trays. Everybody says. And, like, people are going to circle up. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's a, uh, and uh, so I'm still in a sling. My arm's pinned to my side. I already had one surgery, and this one's pinned to my arm. And I'm brought in to go meet this guy, and he's in, a, a, a like, a room almost as big as this, like, half the size of this room that we're in right now. And he's in there just training by himself with, like, throwing a, a heavy bag around, like, doing suplexes and things like that. I'm like, now I can, okay, all right, so there might be something to this guy. He seems like he's serious. He's yeah, is he a traditional wrestler background? I guess I don't know. No, like no, him. no, no. He got into wrestling through the catch wrestling, okay. and, you know, the catch wrestling brought him up to speed, and then he, he had uh, Floyd Winters. Uh, you know, take him under his wing as, as the Air Force Greco-Roman coach. I was going to say, he just looks strikes me as a Roman Greco yeah, guy. Yeah, Joel, Joel's built for that kind of stuff. And, and his mentality is unmatched as far as, like, tenacity. Like, never, <laughs> never quitting and just constantly coming back over and over. And he's smart, too, man. Meticulous, note-taker, you know, brilliant guy. I'm with but, you. I was just watching some wrestling the other day. I need to get back there. I think I've been doing a little too much uh, jiu-jitsu. I'm getting a little passive. I was watching some college wrestling, watching some nasty guys get after. I'm like, those boys are doing work right now, man. That's good. Yeah. I'm like, I need to get back after that. So I see him in there training. I come in, and I got my arm in a sling. And I take him, and I do a – one, I do a rolling knee bar. While my arm is in a sling, <laughs> I do a wizard rolling knee bar. Uh, I do, like, an uchimata throw, big high-profile throw. And – as I walked in, I saw him training by himself, and I saw what that takes. I know what that takes. I saw something familiar. I was like, all right, this guy's worth training. This is not going to be a waste of my time. And he saw me demonstrate, and he goes, I just found my coach. Wow. And we never left each other since. And so Every that was it, love day. right there. Every huh? fucking day we Romance. were together. And that dude, he literally brought me. I was like, I, I, was, I knew I was getting medically retired. I mean, it was a couple, took a couple years. So I moved my wife and kids back to Ohio while I lived in New Jersey. So it was just me and, like, he would grab me every single day. You know, I, you know he I'm getting, I'm getting like, hey, You're doing something. Yeah, you know, like, I'm, I'm getting surgeries. I'm, I'm getting hooked on my Percocets <laughs> and my muscle relaxers. And, and, you know, they had me on eight different medications in the military at this time. I was, I was on this cocktail. Half of it killed Keith Ledger. Hmm. Remember Heath Ledger? Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Holy yeah. hell. All the civilian docs after I got out of the military like, how the fuck are you still alive? Yeah, right, or how are you not on uh, heroin now? Yeah, yeah right, right, yeah. right. Never touched Damn. it, never touched it. Now, I'll do it someday, like, when I'm in hospice. <laughs> he does. When I got cancer. <laughs> the best way cancer. to go out, absolutely. I'm going to, it's no, it's no, no holes barred, no drugs barred, you know, by the time I'm on, if I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to, I want to experience life, dude. I yeah. want to see what, why, now, why were guys so fucking Might willing well to throw their lives away? Riding a unicorn <laughs> over a rainbow. But, I, but I, however, I was on Percocets for, like, five years straight prescribed to me you know but uh joel was saved my life in a lot of ways because i was i was done with i was like fuck martial arts fuck everything you know mm -hmm. i'm done i went from 100 miles an hour to nothing yeah that's tough and he was like no nobody no nobody i mean i'm just this little dude and he's this ginormous fucking 
you know, freak, you know, like he's a bald Sasquatch. He's so ginormous. I love it. You know, he can kill me at any fucking time, but he chooses. <laughs> he never chose to. Gentle <laughs> <laughs> giant, you know, but don't cross him. You know, even when I was barking orders and, <laughs> you know, and telling him to do more and more and more and then getting on top of him and just punishing and punishing and punishing while he's exhausted, he still at any time could have just gone full retard and ripped my head off. <laughs> yeah. you know, like Chewbacca, you know, like, you know, but, you know, Wookiees, you know, rip limbs off. Yeah, of right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Droids aren't known for lipping, ripping limbs off. <laughs> so he's, yeah, okay, a Wookiee would be a good... There we go, yeah. But uh, the thing about Joel was was that he, 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 he grabbed me physically and dragged me with him. He took me out to a place I ended up becoming, a, 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 having my own jiu-jitsu squad, catch wrestling slash jiu-jitsu squad. Uh, we trained uh, multiple MACP instructors and did, we got involved in the MACP program with the Army. We just did so much stuff. And it, it really woke me up, and it, it kept me out of my head while I was separated from my family for two years, oh, good. staying in Jersey while they were there. And well, I was stress relief, escaping the situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, even though it didn't get me off the drugs or nothing like that, I mean, I wasn't allowed to get off the drugs. You know, you're when, when you're in the military, you have to take mm -hmm. your shit. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was a goddamn zombie. You know, and if I ever drank and added any alcohol in the mix at the time, it was just like there was jokes about me. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, sleeping with you. His eyes are open, but as soon as I get on the mats, everything wakes up. Where I'm, where I'm walking in with a cane like Yoda and pulling yeah. in. And like, as soon as I get on the mats, yeah. you know, everything goes. And then once I get off the mats again, I'm like, you know, I could be accused of malingering, but I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's I'm literally something about the mats make everything bad disappear for me. I don't feel pain. I don't feel, you know, the depression and the anxiety of my life, the PTSD, all that kind of shit. I don't, yeah. you know, my, oh, by the way, my PTSD is not from heroism and shoot them up, bang, bang in Iraq or anything like that. So I think that's interesting. I like that you like to, uh, you know, pay respects to those that, you know, have PTSD on the uh, battlefield by acknowledging that your PTSD is related. You know, otherwise, I think that's a very uh, modest, very humble um, very respectful of you. Um, speaking of PTSD, um, Coach Stafford, I know you've been trying to work with Weedify um, in our gym. Do we have any updates on that, or what do you know about that so far? You know, Weedify is, you know, unfortunately when there's military involved, it takes a lot to get in to. Um, but, yeah, Weedify, we're looking to get um, veterans in to that have PTSD in order to get in and kind of be able to cope with that a little bit more with uh, jiu-jitsu. And, you know, kind of earlier, Sean and I were talking about that. And, you know, the, there might be issues as far as doing this because of catch wrestling, because it's more of a, they, they see it as more of a, a violent thing where a, you feel pain, a PTSD soldier may, that may trigger that. And that jujitsu is more of a kind of a calmer flowing thing where, you know, you can kind of problem solve. You get into a problem, you know, you keep yourself calm in order to get that. But, uh, you know, I don't, think, I don't think you really agree with that too much, Sean. You thought that catch wrestling would just be as good, if not better. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's been my thing. It's been my alchemy. It's been how I deal with shit. I'm agreeing with you. I think it's still a controlled environment, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all in how you teach it. Yeah, there's rips and hooking and stuff like that in catch wrestling, but you don't have to do it right off the bat with somebody. You know, Emil Fisher, I, he didn't like it right off the bat, I had, but I ended up, he ended up giving in to the idea of learning it and feeling the pain all the time. And what he learned how to do was keep calm under pressure. He learned how to keep calm when there's an elbow in his eye socket 
and not freak out and make the wrong move. Tell me how that is not a fucking way to cognitively, cognitively, you know, it's like a cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like stoicism. You're being exposed to an irritant and learning how to deal with it. Yeah. Okay. It's the it's the ultimate in stoicism. Look, my jujitsu, my gi jujitsu looks just like my fucking catch wrestling. It's just my jujitsu is just as brutal. My catch wrestling is brutal, but it's pretty. It's smooth. There we had this saying in pararescue selection course: slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Mm. Nice. Okay, and that's how I teach. You saw the seminar today. Right. Would that have disrupted anybody with PTSD? No, not at all. Mm. No. Nice it's how relax. you teach something. If you're an asshole, you're going to teach like an asshole. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> we know something. Right. If, 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 you, if you've already gone through life and you've got your ego in check, I don't, it's bullshit to ever think about losing your ego. That's impossible. Your ego is you. Yeah. Okay? But having a balanced ego and having this thing where you understand that somebody's not... If somebody doesn't like me, it doesn't have nothing to do with me. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Problems it's way like, before like, they came across you, right? Right. right. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> when it comes to any of this stuff, look, I, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has always hurt me. Okay? And, you know, this whole gentle art shit, you know, it fucking hurts and it sucks in every way. If you're not being hurt by a submission attempt, you're, you're losing. I'm, I'm claustrophobic as fuck. You know, and what triggers my anxiety is when I can't move and breathe. Okay, that sounds like jujitsu, doesn't right. it? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a trigger for me. Yeah. All right. All this shit. Okay, what it is? It's been marketing. It's all this fucking marketing. Mm. Oh, you, 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 if you say jujitsu, it sounds softer and smoother. To me, it just sounds like French Spanish. <laughs> you know, seriously, it's it's shut the fuck up. You know, it's literally how you train it is what's going to make you a better person or not or help you to get through problems like PTSD. You know, do you, are you in a healthy atmosphere where your instructor allows you freedom to move? You know, are, you know, when I deal with women who have been raped, that's a process. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I teach women catch wrestling and jiu-jitsu, anything. I don't, I don't really call anything anything that I teach. It's all the same to me. It's all one. Right. It's all one to me. You know, but when we narrow it down into organizations and teams like yeah, that, right, I get it, I get it. Styles yeah. and how you're going to do it, you know. But I wave many flags, you know. I'm a freak in many nations, you know. There <laughs> so, you go. You know, um, so it's more of a, it's like I said before, it's not the art itself, but yeah, it's 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 the dark side. It's this that. It's the brutal. It's the brutal. Blah, blah, you know, I, dude, I am so slick and smooth when I grapple with people. It doesn't feel. It's nothing, you know, losing your mind. It's actually taught me how to keep complete control of my mind. Yeah. You know, like... Stay focused, composed, think yeah. smart. Exactly. Know? I'm not breathing heavy when I'm wrestling other people. Because I've learned how to just... Be, be efficient. Yeah, yeah. Completely. And deal with shit as it comes and not overthink shit and not, you know, self... You know, uh, uh, not contaminate, but... Uh, uh, Another word for booby trap, ambush. There we go. You know what I mean? Like, set myself up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. How do we? How do we teach and how do we train? That is what's actually going to do it. So, uh, doing a small segue into uh, something we had talked about previously, and 
uh, something I'm taking away from this conversation that we're having right now. Uh, you're talking about you know coaching someone on how to coach, and that just really grabbed me as uh, you know our team definitely. Um, you know, there's a handful of leaders on this team, I think, that, you know, stand out. And, you know, at times I try to give them opportunities to be leaders and coach um, and whatnot. So I have, I have a question for you as someone as a very experienced coach. Um, what would, what's your thoughts when you get that new young man that's coming into grappling? He's very jerky, very rough. What's your, what's your thought on that process? For someone that, you know, he's not trying to, but somehow the experienced guy always has a bloody lip after he's done, you know, yeah. doing the free roll session at the end of practice. This is the spaz. Yes, the spaz. The, the, the classic white belt spaz type uh, meme. Yeah, I, we, we talked about this earlier. Um, so the people listening doesn't think this is just right off the cuff we were actually talking about it and i was worried that i would forget what the hell i said before <laughs> my theory it was, was very very like uh theogic or, or whatever the hell something like that yeah something like that so it's uh, uh what it comes down to so the the rigidity of a new student and their spazziness quote unquote is a direct result of ignorance you know, uh, we know that ignorance is the precursor to fear. We don't understand something. We don't know where we're at. We don't know what we're doing. We, some of us get frustration. That in and of itself can be a fucking PTSD trigger, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yep. Going into that zone. So just stepping into something new is, is something there. So that's uh, anxiety. And anxiety manifests itself not in a fluid motion. It's more of a choppy, hard, relaxed, hard, relaxed, hard, relaxed. It's almost like a stutter, right? You know, education, knowledge, and the peace that that brings because we know that we know exactly what situation we're in. I know I got plan A, B, C, D, E, and F, depending how far our alphabet can go. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the more we get involved and the more we show up and the more we do it, we start seeing the rigidity fall away. That's because they're becoming educated. We can actually see their education markers through a biofeedback by watching their body movement mm. and how fluid. Now, another part might be they have anatomical issues. You know, that the, you know, like afterwards you might see, okay, now there's, okay, the spazziness is gone, but there's some rigidity. Now you got to start as a coach looking at body mechanics. Is, does this guy have tight or a girl have tight, tight hip flexors? Is there you know a bad movement in their SI joints you know are they just inflexible are they weak are they uncoordinated you know what I mean and then you start making little exercises for them to do to attack those things I'll I'll see something where I see someone who can't they said they can't do a certain technique and I say like show me how you're doing it and I see and I'm like okay I see where it goes wrong and then I take that movement and I take that apart and I show me this movement can you do this movement here and I show them and they try to do it and they can't do it so I'm like okay now I teach them how to do that movement, and they know how to do that movement now because I took them off the side and I taught them, and I put them back into the situation. They got that little look. A, 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 a technique is a continuum, right? But in that continuum, there's spaces, there's there's segments to each one. So w- within a technique, if someone's not getting, it, you got to find out which segment isn't working. Take it out, magnify it, correct it, put it back into the sequence. You know, I agree with you. I think one of my biggest coaching successes um, is someone that I do private lessons with. Um, his footwork was just awful. It, like, he just seemed uncoordinated, unbalanced. And so what we started doing was uh, we started doing, like, agility, agility drills, 
um, you know, speed ladder agility drills. And just by doing that, all the it just started fixing itself. He just yeah. started fixing that agility, that balance, that, that footwork, being lighter on his feet. Just by doing that, I didn't, it wasn't me. The answer was not me yelling at him. It wasn't me correcting him. It wasn't me, you know, putting his legs in the right spot, you know, just doing that agility drills. He just started to fix himself. So I got it. I took that small piece, you know, and put it, and he just fixed it himself. Yeah, the, so for you listeners, like, like, we're using a lot of hand gestures and, and describing, <laughs> and describing what this looks like. Good call, so, so the best way I can describe this is if you draw a line with a pen um, across a piece of paper and you take a high-powered microscope and you look at that line, you actually look at that line as a series of dots, yes. okay? And each one of those dots is a necessary part, okay? That line is the technique. The dots are all that make up that technique, the skill, the, the, uh, technique, the technique itself, and your ability to do those things, okay? So that's what I'm talking about is these little segments. Um, somebody's messing up like on a throw, uh, Uchimata, we'll say. Uh, let's say they've got the ending right, the beginning right, but there's something wrong in that middle, you know, that we've got to fix. And it just might be the way they're pointing, they're, they're entering with their feet, you know, their tie sabaki just might be a little bit off, their footwork might be off, just like you were saying. Footwork is the biggest problem in judo. Um, so... Yeah, uh, and, and you know, that it translates, that what you just said just translates so well all the way around. You know, we see, you know, and because I can't talk the ground game with these guys, um, but you know, even the stand up, the amateur boxers, what you're saying with that rigidity, you know, you see an amateur boxer going in with his first fight and you get that pressure and you get that, that stress on you and you get everybody looking at you, everyone's yelling for blood and you get out there and it's a shit show. <laughs> I don't care how these guys look so tight when they're going on their mitts. Man, they're straightening on the jab. Uh -huh. They're they're tight. They're everything, and they get in there and they go. It's just a haymaker festival. I <laughs> I'm with you. I you know what? When I'm in my fights, like uh, some some of the successful like pro wins that I've had, I thought I was like Anderson Silva out there, and then I watched the video and I'm like super tight. I'm like, what the hell? You didn't do anything you thought you were doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all my kickboxing matches were like that. Yeah. I thought I, I won all of them, right? Yeah. But man, I looked like a yeah. <laughs> You're I like, really man, looked like a this was one of my students. I'd be yelling at him so bad, right? Yeah. Well, that was a pretty good episode. Uh, Sean, thank you so much. That leg lock seminar was really good. And, and I'm not a ground guy. It really, it's one of those things. And we actually joked, I think, at the last podcast when we talked about this leg lock seminar. And I said, I'm just going to have George run this thing because if I can't punch anyone, I've lost interest already. <laughs> um, but, you know, we really appreciate you coming up. Um, it was a very successful seminar. I think you had about 33 in this thing. It was, yeah, it was very course. good. It was yeah, most all, of successful all mat one. space, All mat space was utilized. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it wasn't too crowded. It was it was good. So, you know, leg locks. You're not doing a ton of moving, but yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, I felt good. I I really enjoyed it. It was a you guys motivated me. Everybody stayed on course. Nobody was like falling out. Everybody stayed. And that you got remember, it's a two way street energy flow. Yeah, you know, oh, if, for every, sure. if everybody's bogging down, I'm gonna bog down as an instructor. You know, mm -hmm. but as the leader. I still gotta suck it up and do it anyways. And still make jokes, you know. Yeah, right. See, I uh, way I motivate. I don't really motivate by you know. Let's go hundred ten percent, you know. Yeah. Da, 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 you know, and yell and scream. I'm more like you know. Let's talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, oh, and the yeah, one thing I liked about your style too, as far as your teaching goes, was and I do this. I catch myself doing this a lot in boxing, and I and I, and I, I kind of remember you doing this, where you were doing. And I'm not, and I apologize, I don't know all the names of everything right. you're doing, but you did something, you were like, you know what, I just realized something. 
when you when you put your leg out to the side and you started doing this, we're like, we're gonna oh, try this. You. This is like just came to me. Yeah. You know, I I, I come you across that all the time. You guys are witnessing the birth or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I do that when we work in combinations, and I'm like, well, you know what, this guy, and I do it a lot with Logan. You know, Logan and I, um, we when we're working together, you know, we'll throw a combination, and I'll go through the mechanics and the physics of if he hits me with this, where's my head gonna go? What's my yeah. move gonna be? What's the counter to that? Well, what's the next thing? What's the next move? You're including them on the process yes yeah you know it's important you know like with your with my kids i like i don't just say because i said so i explain why i do everything right. and why i have done anything they, why and, this has weight to it and, why i mean this and they deal better and like a, there's a syndrome that's out there i don't know what to call it you know but lots of underbelts look up at the leaders the coaches and the black belts you know that kind of thing it doesn't matter what art it is it's all the same for some reason, they think they can never be that way, or you know, there's something amazing about this person. Or no, there isn't. There's nothing amazing about us. Yeah, it's just that we know what's going on, and the faster we get you to know what's going on, so fools mock, the wise understand. Mm. The word mock means to mimic. Okay. Oh, that guy's got big biceps. I'm gonna watch what he does in gym. Right. Oh, he does this a thousand times. I'm gonna do that too. But I'm not getting the same results because they don't know why. That guy really, you know, he doesn't, they don't yeah. know, like, they don't understand. What's the why? Yeah. I know what, what is, but why? Yeah, yeah. Mean? So otherwise, you're just imitating what you've been told. It's like rote memory shit. But to truly understand, the whys understand. The whys is where we come in with our skill. The skill is your ability to employ the technique, skill, you know, with prowess, you know, with, with, with precision. You know, and that's what we're trying to create, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so the, the faster we get them into our minds of how the creation process happens and how we recognize things and how we learn and teach, the faster they're going to become a better competitor, martial artist, whatever. Awesome. Very cool. Well, are you ready to call it a night? Absolutely. Thank thanks you for guys. having me, guys. Appreciate I, it very yeah, much. Yeah, appreciate you. Awesome seminar, and uh, thanks for taking your time with the podcast. Peace. So that's about all we have today. I appreciate you guys listening and your support. You know, we're not the cleanest sounding podcast. We'll get there. Um, It's just a matter of time. But, you know, the information that we get out, we believe is great. So, you know, we hope that you can kind of bear with us in the meantime. A little bit of housekeeping as far as the rev goes. We've got Oliver Sedlak. He's making his boxing debut on February 1st, downtown Cleveland. And we've got, there's Montana Love and Thomas Matisse. These two guys are, are the real deal, guys. They're fighting on Showtime on February 14th. I believe Showtime will offer a free trial. Check them out. My stand-up people, check them out. It's gonna, they're going to put on a show. Um, both these guys, they've been sparring in our gym, and it's been really phenomenal to watch and be able to see that high level um, incredibly high level boxing uh, taking part at the Rev February 22nd we've got Corey Dalton he's making his debut in the cage on a Maslin he is a monster this guy is he hits a ton and it's going to be exciting to see him so uh, check him out um, he's going to be down in Maslin like I said February 22nd uh, if you'd like to go down there and see that show, uh, either hit the gym up on DM and we'll we'll figure out ticket information and all that kind of stuff for you. March 7th, the return of Hulk Logan Urban. 
uh, we're, we're excited to see this guy. He is a beast, man. He's got so many people pull out on him, and you know, it's it's one of those natures of the game that people try to pad records and not they don't want to fight those tough fights. Uh, Logan's a tough fight, and we, we got something done. He's been signed. So February seventh, I'm sorry, March seventh, and that is actually down in Columbus at the Arnold Classic. So that'll be an exciting thing. That's going to be a new uh, venue for us to be at and uh, be interesting to see how that all works out. Uh, April 24th, we got Nikolai Gianti. He's fighting at the MGM Northfield, uh, another pro MMA fighter along with Logan. He, um, you know, lo- uh, Nikolai's game is ground. You know, his last fight, he got powerbombed twice um, from the highest of heights and didn't let go and didn't hold on. He's got a lot of heart, got a lot of skill um, to get him on the ground. You know, you're in trouble. And on his feet, you know, his footwork, his his ground game, you know, he's been sparring with Montana Love. So his hands have become a weapon without a doubt. So we're excited to see him back in there again. Uh, May, I'm tentatively scheduled to fight. Uh, and that would possibly be for a title if that all comes down and I get that go-ahead. So I'm hopefully, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, uh, obviously. June, June, we've got, um, I'm sorry, I was going to say crew juice. No, it's Arjan Aaron Baverka juice, man. It's going to be competing in a tournament in Iowa along with crew Russ. And members Quentin and Tristan, we're looking forward to all these things. Uh, it's such a big deal to have this much going on in a gym that is has just gotten itself established, and it's it's exciting, and especially with have so many debuts. You know, we've been working these guys hard; they've been working hard, and and we appreciate them, and we appreciate everybody. We appreciate all of our members. So, uh, keep keep posted. Um, you know, Instagram. Uh, Revolution FNF. Uh, it's uh, we we've got a great place. If you're interested in doing any of these things, come up and check us out. First classes are free, so you know come up, check us out. You know you'll want to stay. It's a cool place. We're awesome. So that's all I got for you guys. Take care.